so we have a project. We have a project. We call it OM Champion Project. Hello everyone and welcome to the Marseille View. I'm Stefan and I'm your host tonight. It's um, all a bit doom and gloom for OM right now and I'm sorry to say we've got more defeats to talk about on tonight's episode. Um, there's now four straight defeats for Marseille and three in a row in, in, three in, a row, sorry, in Ligue 1. So we'll do our best to try and figure out what is going wrong. Uh, tonight joining me, I've got Ben. You all good, Ben? Yeah, the old stalwarts. Um, I wish I could say I'm happy to be back, but it's really bad timing. It's a really bad period for us. Absolutely. And secondly, we've got a new member of the team joining. So um, we've got Thomas. How are you, Thomas? Uh, hi, uh, I'm, I'm very glad that I'm able to be here on the other side of, of speakers, I guess. I've been a, a listener to the show for some time and I'm very happy to contribute to it now. Brilliant. Well, we're very pleased to have you on. Um, so you're from Poland, so I'm kind of curious to know how you started supporting Marseille. To be honest, I'm, I'm also kind of curious. <laughs> like a lot of people ask me uh, this question and I like it's it, it really it isn't any super interesting story. It's just like when I was, I guess, like the like how, how old was I? I? I guess I was like something like about 16 or 15 and I've become more and more interested in football. Uh, and I uh, and I watched a lot of games and and one of the games that I watched was this uh, I guess it was quarter final of the UEFA Cup uh, between OM and uh, Inter Milan where it, this was the season where uh, Didier Drogba was playing and this team somehow actually captivated me and I and since then I've been watching OM uh, <laughs> off and on for it, it's like how long is that it's like over 15 years but it was like from one game to another and then i just uh, followed them through to the final uh, and also drogba became quickly my favorite player and i think he still is now um so yeah so that that's the story it, it 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 was quite hard for me because i don't speak fluent french so it always was quite difficult for me to 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 follow all the news but um uh yeah but still i like i'm i'm with the with the club for uh, for for good and for bad, and I'm very happy to be a no, I'm supporter. Brilliant! It's such a good season that European run. Sorry, um, it's one. Of, it's probably my favourite European run as well. And I, I know, obviously, there's a certain one that stands out. But I was so young at the time that I don't really remember it as well as I do the the 2004 UEFA Cup run. It was just, and especially was, as you said, it was, it was just dropout. It just sort of captivated everyone and himself. You know, just him at the start. Yeah, that was my first game at the Velodrome. Was um, going to see OM Liverpool in the uh, in the court final. Uh, sorry, the, was it the round of sixteen? Um, so yeah, it was a great season. Um, Thomas, you said Drogba. Apart from Drogba, who would you say has been your favourite player in the last fifteen years since you've been watching? 
Whew, that's that, that's actually quite a difficult question, I guess. Um, for example, like I, I I don't know if I, I don't know if I have like a favorite player, but for example, one of the most favorite uh, moments that I that I um, remember was uh, Lorik Sana and his header against Paris Saint Germain, and I always liked him for this for his bravery and his fighting spirit. So that's that's one of the players that I um, remember from from the last fifteen years, I would say. How much could we do with a player like him now? Eh? It's just has the kind Definitely of like right. spirit that we don't really have in the team. Um, okay, so tonight's schedule includes coverage briefly of the defeats to Nîmes and Lens, and then we're going to deep dive into last night's 3-1 loss to Monaco. But there's also quite a bit of transfer news going on, so we're going to spend some time chatting about our new sign, Arkadiusz, hopefully I've said it right, Arkadiusz Milik, and the departures of Sanson and Strutman, and possibly some more departures this winter. So we'll spend a bit of time on the Mercato. Um, so starting off, uh, Nîmes Marseille, um, a game that we've, a club, sorry, that we've done really well against in, in recent seasons, but <laughs> this was this was the end of a run, I guess. So, uh, we we were defeated by Nîmes uh, in Nîmes two uh, one, and it wasn't a great performance, was it? Um, I just wanted to hear briefly. If I don't know if you all caught the game, um, I, I myself only caught bits of it, but um, yeah, just wanted to hear a kind of sort of brief summary of what you thought from that game. I I I've sadly sat through the entirety of the last three games, so I, I did see all of it. Um. It was it was at the Velodrome. Um, it's again, as you've said, we've got a really good record against Nîmes since they've come back up. And um, worth pointing out just briefly that as we lost for the first time in over 30 years to Saint-Étienne at home earlier this season, it was the first time in 45 years that we'd lost at home to Nîmes. Um, so that's that's there for the history fans. Um, it was a strange game. Um, you know, we started okay-ish. Um, and then I think the turning point is the missed penalty by Tovan, which is, you know, we, we managed to get a penalty, even though we're, we're looking a bit, you know, we're looking a bit, uh, you know, tentative up front, and we still managed to get some balls in the box and do a little bit. But the one chance we create, um, Benedetto brings it down, manages to try and flick it past the defender, hits his hand, we get a penalty, and then the, the whole penalty situation was just awful. Um, you know, Tovar just looks like he he knows that he he's afraid. He, he doesn't look you know he doesn't look like he's concentrated. He doesn't look like he's he's confident. And it was just a grim penalty. Um, and and sadly, fuck me, I can't even believe I'm saying this. We've missed six out of nine of the penalties we've had this season. Six out of nine. Um, and then from there on, the game just fell apart. The team fell apart. Um, and it's. I think we'll discuss it a bit later on as it's been a recurring theme of, of the half-time period of the last three games, certainly. But we came out in the second half sleepwalking and we were punished on the break. Yeah, I was one of the, from what I've seen. Um, so I was, I was, I had the game on, but I was cooking, so I wasn't really watching it properly. But I could see that um, there's most of the kind of main things that were happening, and it was you could just tell it wasn't a night. And I think like I can remember Benedetto, for example, missing a really easy chance in front in the six yard box and stuff. And it was yeah, it just. Yeah, we had a lot of chances the first half, but with that way, we're, nothing's going away. Um, I, I don't 
I don't. I think you didn't catch game, did you, Thomas? So. No, no. Well, unfortunately, it was one one of the few games that I haven't been able to watch. I watched uh, this uh, the, the the highlights, like, like extensive extensive highlights. But I'm like I, I'm not sure if I have something anything more to add. That's fine, and I kind of don't want to say too much about it. Um, just wait to move on anyway to Lance. So midweek we came up against Lance. Um, it was one of the games that we had in hand because we we had it previously postponed because of COVID. Um, and <laughs> these games in hand that we were hoping were going to allow us to sort of climb our way up the table of not really worked <laughs> out very well, have they? So this was another. Uh, I'm, I'm, this game uh, for me, I'll just say, it was probably possibly our worst performance I thought of the season so far. I felt like we were completely outplayed. Um, we were beaten by a team that were physically better than us. They, but it seemed to be better uh, football I mean, than us. They just seem to be better in every department. Um, yeah, so I, we lost that game. I don't want to hug it. Your thoughts? Yeah, I don't want to hug it. I'll let you. Uh, I'll let you analyse, Tomash. I just want to just remind people of the context going into that game. So after the defeat to Nîmes, allegedly the following happened. So AVB offered his resignation that was refused. There was a meeting with Iro, the players, and all the staff on the Sunday following the Nîmes game, where Iro uh, apparently raised his voice. <laughs> you know. What bit 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 late, mate? But anyway, um, and he sort of threatened the players, told them they weren't good enough for, to, to wear the jersey, told the players that were out of contract to, um, you know, go to see Longoria and ABB and promise that they were committed between now and the end of the season, or to to go elsewhere to put in a transfer request. And so we're going into this game after losing at home to Nîmes and, and not really showing much threat at all in the second half. Everybody's expecting a reaction, and uh, Tomas, take the floor. <laughs> I'm not sure if I if I want to be in that position, but but sure. Like uh, for me, it's it's like you Stephen said. I think it was one of the worst performances, I guess, it of uh, of McCourt era. I would say. I I I'm not sure if I can remember a worse performance. Maybe not because of the scoreline, but because of of how how we played. Uh, for me, it was really. I think uh, statistics-wise, it was like the first uh, shot on target that we where we recorded. It was like 85th minute, I guess. Radonic. It was it was his shot, and it was one and only shot shot on goal that we um, recorded. Um, for me, like the the thing that was shocking was our like complete, um, like complete uh, attacking uh, paralyzes i would say like we 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 really do not have any idea how to move the ball forward in a swift and quick manner or maybe in any manner at all i guess defensively i think that defensively we are quite okay still uh it's 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 not a disaster but but in uh, in um, in attack i think the, the the problems are just astounding i would say i, th- I think that benedetto had a really 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 poor game i've never been a fan of him but uh it seems like that he cannot hold the ball. Like his his first touch is very poor, and he cannot hold the ball up front, which causes all all of uh, our problems. Uh, well, we maybe not all of our problems, but like a big part of our problems. That uh, I think that like I I didn't see any 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 willpower, any any any, any bravery and and fighting spirit. I think we also that, and it was this was very uh, I guess sad for me. Mm, the goal was like I think it was a, 
a very simple goal that that we lost. Uh, I think it was a matter of poor positioning by, I guess, by Toyota uh, Sar, if, if, if I if I remember that correctly. Uh, but but still, like even after the goal, we I think we our we our game hadn't changed at all. So it was it was really. I was really puzzled because I I did not remember us playing so poorly for I guess last I don't know two or three years I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, ben, have you got any thoughts that you want to add to that? Well, it's just echoing the sentiment, and it's as I said, um, you know what happened happened at the weekend. Everybody's expecting, you know, it was basically one of those make or break meetings where everybody airs their concerns. As their, you know, as their complaints and as their, their, as their priorities and what they want to do, and and naturally, well, typically, I, I can't think of any other club, or maybe there's been a few examples, but you know, when there's a crisis meeting, the the the, the, the minimum you expect in the following game is that they turn up and they at least fight and they at least, you know, a reaction. You expect a reaction, and and we just from from minute one. We gave the ball away to Loth, I think, almost straight from kickoff, and it's you just you just see it disintegrate from there. The mindset, the the, the efforts, the running, the you know, all of it was just just it looked it looked it just looked awkward. They looked like they didn't want to be on the pitch, and uh, I, I think we'll go into more detail in in of ADB and excuses later but you know sadly we we do lose Camara and, and Gay in the first half to injury so we have to reshuffle the pack the back in midfield and and you just progressively lose your hold on the game you create nothing to to put Lance under pressure um they predictably and they they're actually one of the better teams at doing this this season they've smashed Monaco away 3-0 um they've beaten all of the big teams um, so they, apart from Lens, uh, Lyon, I think, but they, they sat back in the first half. They didn't, you know, I think they had the first shot on goal within 10 minutes. They didn't really do much. And then in the first 15 minutes of the second half, yet again, I don't know what the hell they did at half time, but it looks like they've all had sleeping pills, the, the Mate players. And within 15 minutes, Lens have had three clear chances on goal and they put the knife in and they scored the goal. And, and, and you just know for a fact that they can then, they've done their jobs. They've come what they, they've done what they came to, to, to Marseille to do. And they can just now sit back and absorb the very little pressure that we're going to apply to them. And it's, it's just predictable. It is too predictable. And it's heartbreaking that the minimum we expect as fans and the minimum that, that maybe, well, the club should expect is commitment and fighting spirit from the players. And, and I agree with Tomas, it's, it's one of the worst OM games, well, probably the, the worst under Makot, but it's certainly one of the worst ones I've seen in, in living memory because even under Michel, we were shit, we had shit players, but I've never seen such a low collective level of, of fighting and investment and, and willpower. Yeah, I think um, what this game really showed for me is that EVPs completely lost the players um, so clearly their half-time team talks are having no effect in fact they're having a worsening effect in where we come out in the second half by the looks of it um, and this game really just sort of um, demonstrated that we are in crisis uh, after the game in fact um, I think 
the club is it after the Lance game I think where the club came out and said that they were behind DVB because a lot of people were expecting that he might quit or that he might get sacked more likely but the the club came out and said that there they no or there was or there was reports that someone from the club had said that they there was no intention to to change manager but. I think a lot of people are starting to feel now that the the writing is on the wall for EVB and going into the the Monaco game um, at this point, we're not just with the, the uncertainty around EVB, but we're we're seeing Morgan Sanson was supposedly leaving, then he the Aston Villa transfer kind of seemed to have fallen through, and he appeared against Lance, but um, sort of developed. Well, we'll come to Sanson later on, but um, developments that happened in the last few days meant that he wasn't featuring against Monaco, um, so we come into this game as well with kind of a little bit of a lot of chopping and changing in the squad um, and with our spirits really low and I think a lot of us were probably thinking that we weren't going to get a result against Monaco but actually we we started off that game very well, although we ended up losing the game 3-1, we came out in the first 20 minutes, we put in a very sort of Strong showing of intent and just a very nice goal as well, didn't we? Wouldn't you say it was a really good start and it was very promising? It was. Like, it looked like we had a reaction finally. Yeah, uh, to must I'll hand to you, but just to remind as well that as, as well as Sanson leaving on Saturday, <clears throat> as then being withdrawn from the squad, um, Camara and Angers were also out injured. So yeah, it was it, as you said, Steph. When you when you're you know sort of preparing for the game and anticipating. How we're going to struggle, even with the strong lineups. You, you suddenly you're missing two key players as well. Uh, well, I guess I'll, I'll I both agree and disagree. I, I think that like uh, it's kind of a trademark of the season that I think that each game we we kind of start positively. I think that each game, like per first ten minutes of maybe not each game, but most of games we are actually starting as like a, as a quite motivated uh, team and and we are uh, we, we are showing that, that we want the ball but each time I guess after 10 15 minutes something some like it slowly weights down and and uh, disappears I think I think that the goal was was like I'm not sure if nice is the is the word that I would use I think it was it was like really a great uh, ball from Fileta Sar uh, we we know that that he can do that um and a great run from uh, Radonich. I, I'm actually like I think Radonich is one of my most hated players because I think that the the only thing that he can do is run. But still, uh, but still in the like when when I when I watched uh, this game and and actually the previous game, I think he was one of the few players that actually showed some like some uh, like any kind of an attacking intent. I guess it was only through running towards the goal but still like it 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 seemed that he he wants to like to 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 score or to you know create an um uh like a a dangerous uh situation so heads off uh, for him for that and it was also a quite not so easy uh finish and he did that well so uh so i guess that it, 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 yeah, the, the the goal maybe nice. It, it is a, a, it is a good word, but um, yeah. But after that, it all, f- I guess, fell apart. Yeah, I agree. And um, just just to add to the goal, um, you know, yes, Hadunic, we criticised him, but look at the last, you know, five games, he's he's been decisive. But um, more importantly, I think I, I sat here and watched the game and thought 
the first thing I thought after he, he scored was no fucking way would Payet have even made that run, let alone um, been able <laughs> to carry the ball all the way, all yeah, the way to de- the goal. Definitely. No way, no. <laughs> He would, I, more than likely, he would have, he would have seen the ball go over him, and turned to to Duyetrezatar and complained that he didn't play the ball to feet. You know, <laughs> that's just that's just how much of a rat he's in at the minute. But um, you're right. Yeah, uh, again, Tomash, I agree. They, they, we started the game and, and Steph, we started the game certainly much better than we did against Lens. We were in their penalty area. We we're in their faces. There was a cutback from Radonich actually just before, um, probably five minutes before the goal, where uh, a Monaco player gets there because Benedetto was standing waiting for the cutback and it, it would have been, a, I'd like to say, a guaranteed goal, but it would at least have been a chance. Um, and then uh, this, this is a theme, and, and I've actually looked back at last season and seen the same thing. Um, the key difference being that last year we could actually defend properly. When, once we score... We switch off. We absolutely switch off and we invite pressure from, from the opponent. And when it happened last year, even though we won games, it happened against Rennes. It happened against, oh, sorry, um, yeah, sorry, against Rennes. It happened against Nîmes away to them when Benedetto got a hat-trick and we were 2-1 we were up. And the second half before we went 3-1 up, we, we were under unbelievable pressure from Nîmes and fell, fell asleep. And this, this, at this point, it has to be an instruction from AVB for the players to write. You've, once you've got the goal, let's sit deep, as deep as possible, make, the, make it difficult for them and, and don't commit, you know, don't take any risks, don't, don't go chasing the second goal and, and sort of expose us, ourselves. But that is, that is just awful, awful. Yeah, I, I think I think that the game was quite actually quite similar to the one that we played at uh, against Monaco at uh, Velodrome because like that game it was also quite similar because in the, we scored two goals we scored two goals not one in the first 20 minutes but after that it was only Monaco and Monaco and actually uh, I think that that the, uh, the result of the game to one uh, was quite lucky for us I, I think so I I think there were some similarities between this game and that game. Do you think you're right, Thomas, that um, we do often start well and then we kind of let teams sort of come into the game and take over? You are, you are right about that, especially lately, and it does feel a bit like Groundhog Day each game. Um, you know, kind of yeah, but, 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 but is, is that, like, is that, uh, do you think it's it's like a, a matter of concentration or, or determination or tactical guidelines? Like, I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts about that. Like, why, why do you I, think, I think it's that? it's a mix of everything, mate. I think it's, I think it's, yes, the players, um, you know, because we know how fucking difficult it is at the moment and this season for us to create the chance and the effort and the running that, that, that they have to put in there because... It's not as simple, and it's not it's not clear build up, and it's not you know there's no clear combination or, or anything that looks like it's been rehearsed in the training ground. Certainly not in the two, last two months. So they must think, thank fuck, right, we scored, right, let's hold on to this um, yeah. because it was so difficult to score that first goal. And then, as I've said, I think the other part of it is down to ADB because desperate times, desperate measures. If we do manage to snatch a lead. You know, do your damnedest to defend it because we know we're going to struggle to score a second one. You're right. Like it is, I, I do think there is a bit of, um, I say, uh, 
psychological problem maybe with it with the players and um, maybe they lack the as you said the determination maybe they lack the will to kind of to keep fighting beyond that and you know initial period but yeah there's something if you think back about last season and AVB's tactics he does like those kind of does set his teams out in that way often and that he'll look to try and nick a goal and then just soak up pressure but we're not as good at doing that as we were uh, in the previous season so there's maybe a bit of both going on um, just thinking about the the actual game there, just um, so as we said, like we started well for the first twenty minutes or so, but kind of I think yeah, about halfway into the first half, we let sort of Monaco take control as we've been doing in other games, and I mean really from then onwards it was all Monaco, and I seen a lot of people on Twitter complaining that that we lost the game because of certain decisions by the referee that led to the two two goals, the call, to the call, the you know, corner that shouldn't have been a corner and so on, um, a possible penalty for Payet, various things like that. And for me, I'm just not really seeing it. I, I kind of feel that our performance was so poor that those little decisions, I don't think personally that they would have made a difference. I think Monaco would have found a way to break us down. Do you guys think that any of those particular decisions were you know, absolutely fundamental to the way that the game unfolded? Or do you think that it was an inevitability that, that we were going to lose? I think, like, like I think both can be true. Like, I think these were, like, obvious referee mistakes. Um, I think as for the corner, it was quite difficult for the for the referee to see that. So maybe I wouldn't blame him so much. But it, it was a mistake. All in all, it was a mistake. But uh, it doesn't change anything about our performance. We actually created one chance, one scoring chance, which we, which uh, in which we did score, and that was uh, that was that. I think it, it is very bold to say that 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 uh, that we were robbed or something like that. I think it was def- definitely our fault. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Ben. What about you? Uh, it's, it's, I'm I'm sick of this debate, and you know what. I think I've ranted many times about the substandard quality of the referees and how they, they're out to get us. Um, I, I'm okay with that narrative when the players are doing their jobs and if it's a dodgy penalty that's given against us or someone that didn't get sent off at a right, you know, key moment or whatever. But football is a game of margins and it's now frustrating because it's gotten to the point where ADB, whereas uh, he went from earlier in the season actually being very, well, even last season, being very honest and upfront, saying, yeah, we didn't do enough to win the game, players made mistakes, um, even going so far as throwing a, a couple of players under the best at times, he's now gone full of Gatia. And I, I said this last, last week on the pod, that the wheels were coming off after the PSG game, and it was the beginning of the end for him. And he's now gone full, you know, sort of self-defence. It's the referee's fault, and and it's and you know, completely deflecting from clearly his ineptitude and the players' ineptitude to propose anything in in terms of attacking threats. Um, I, I I I would I think I, I'm lucky because I do get to watch the games with Albon. He's a, a friend of ours and a guest who's been on the pod before, and so we're both here picking it apart constantly, and we watch the games and we go. You know, his reaction last night and, and mine subsequently agreeing with him is the, the second half, we concede the equaliser within two minutes from a corner. 
The guy is, um, who is it, Maripon, no fucking marking whatsoever on him. He's, he's completely free in the penalty area. There's then another corner shortly after that where they, again, get a, a, a man run through, um, no marking at all, gets a clean header and, and puts it over the bar. And then another corner, another goal. And it's just, it, it was the theme of, of horrible defending in the second half where nobody was, was picking up a man. If you look at the third goal, I've seen a picture. There's three players, sorry, five Mate players at the, at the near post. Sorry, there's, uh, there's five Mate players at the near post for one Monaco player. And then there's two Mate players at the far post for three Monaco players. And lo and behold, he gets the second goal because he runs free on, on, on goal again. And I, you cannot, you can hide behind the decisions if it's a tight game and, and it was played on fine margins and we, we hit the post or we had nine shots on goal and they keep played the blinder. You cannot hide behind these fucking decisions when you've made no effort whatsoever after the first 20 minutes to try and win the fucking game. I'm, I'm yeah. just not buying that. Do you know what I, I, I did? Poor set piece defending is quite interesting because we've used to be. If you look back last season, we were pretty good at defending. Well, actually, do you know what? EVB in corners has been a long term issue, though, isn't it? I can vaguely remember Luca talking about this when we brought in EVB as a coach that he was worried about how we would defend against set pieces. But nonetheless, I feel like Indeed. last season we were much more solid in these kind of situations. Um, and maybe those goals just highlight that things aren't working behind the scenes that, that maybe the organisation isn't there or the players aren't listening to the manager I don't know but something's not right it was very strange that one that third goal as you said everyone's flocking um, towards the, the player taking the corner moving beyond the, the, the front post and nobody's standing watching Chiamini and Mandanda I, I mean I don't know what Mandanda was doing but oh Jesus Christ yeah fuck me I yeah I, I, I think that as, as much as I liked both these players I mean Mandanda and Alvaro I think that there are like very they were mostly individual mistakes for him because the first goal Alvaro just falls falls to the ground like I don't know why but he, he actually falls falls to the ground and cannot mark his uh, his man and uh, for the second goal I think it's it's Bandanda's fault. He he acted very actually weirdly. It, uh, it not not like him at all, I guess. Absolutely. Um, so just thinking about that game still before we move on, I wanted to hear what your tops and flops were. Yes, yeah, so or like what kind of players, <laughs> if any, stood out for you uh, with a good performance and who didn't, I suppose, and why. I can go first if it, if it makes it easier. Um, yeah, I'll go first then. So, my tops for... Well, that's a hard one, isn't it? There's not really many. Um, actually, do you know what? I'm, I'm going to pick out someone who... I don't think anyone... I wouldn't say he had a great game, but I saw moments in, in his, his performance that led me to feel that there's some cause for hope. Some you know there is a possibility that this guy could be a good signing for us. That was Lirola. There was a few moments where I, I just liked what I seen defensively and offensively. Although I do feel that going forward we've not really seen him. We've seen much of him. You know I'd like to see him and um, be a bit more adventurous going forward. But yeah, I liked what I seen. Actually, technically he looks like a a fine footballer. I, I 
I think he can defend. I don't so much. I know so much about how good he is positionally, um, and maybe this, but that stuff that maybe you can improve. Um, but I did actually like what I seen, uh, what I saw. Sorry, and and you know I'm going to do this guy. Sorry, but um, weirdly I saw <laughs> a few, quite a few comments about um, about wishing that we had Bunasar back, and I get that. Um, <laughs> Bunasar brings brought I get a lot of pace along the right and right hand side and a lot of drive, a lot of energy, um, and that really helped the overall play of the team. But um, I yeah yeah I feel like that's a discredit to the new right back who hasn't really had a chance to 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 show what he's got. And for me, what I've seen actually was kind of good. So I would say. Or, or had has moments are good in it, so I would say that he was my top <laughs> for the game. Which isn't so, Tomas, as, as a listener, have you have you felt over the last couple of years the hate of Steph towards Bunatar? Is it yeah, palpable? But, but, yeah, but 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 to be honest, like whenever whenever I heard that on the podcast, I was just screaming to myself, "Yes, he's right, he's right." I hate, I think, I think what, yeah, I so I I agree with you, with you, Steph, on like whole, wholeheartedly. One hundred percent, yeah. Yeah, you should come and, back. And I don't, I, I don't miss him <laughs> at all, actually. Um, Lirola, I've, I, I think I've not seen enough of him yet, I, I, and it's difficult. I would never, I will never judge, um, and I think it applies especially to the Premier League. But I will never judge a, a new signing that's come from abroad um, and is adapting to. Um, I'm going to say this, this may sound odd to people, but I think the Premier League in terms of its physicality and pace and, and sort of craziness where, you know, everybody's running nonstop and tackles are flying left, right and centre. And Liga in terms of its physicality and, and really sort of defensiveness and um, slower sort of build-up are the two most difficult leagues to adapt to. And that's, that's personal opinion. I may be wrong, but... Um, so I'm not going to judge Lirola. I think he was okay. I didn't see him make any mistakes. I didn't see him do anything particularly brilliant, but it was always going to be a difficult game anyway. Um, I, I will pick out... A couple of good clearances. I, I'm not finished, though. Sorry? Remember, I've got to do my flops first. Sorry, sorry, you sorry. You go, you go. Um, sorry. But yeah, he made a couple of good clearances. There was one where I think the ball got was it headed across the six-yard box and he cleared it quite well. And there's a couple of moments worth watching where I thought he was... I was expecting him to be very poor defensively, so I was kind of pleased to see that he's got... He, I think I think it's there, you know. He that is the narrative um, we were fed, Steph. You're right. That is the narrative was the very good going forward, but needs to improve his positioning and defensive abilities. That that that's why yeah, yeah. we we're all looking at that specifically. Yeah. So actually, so with the flops, like it's much harder to pick someone because there were so many poor players. You know, um, I think Tovan, Cuisance, but I'm gonna see. <laughs> And this is going to maybe seem harsh because at moments he was putting in some pretty good tackles, as he always does, and showed a lot of heart. But I did feel like um, Monaco, in the later stages of this, the first half and beyond, were targeting our um, left side a lot. And I think Sakai was getting a bit of a tough time. I think he was getting caught out of position a lot. What? Um, yeah, I do feel that oh, if you watch the game, a lot of their plays focus down that right hand side, their right hand side, and that's I think they saw that as just having a potential weakness there. Um, so yeah, so for me, I just I like Sakai. I think he plays with his heart. He does a lot of great things throughout the game, but he also makes a lot of mistakes as well. And sometimes he's running around a bit like a headless chicken, and I just would 
I, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I just expect a bit more kind of composure wow. from him, yeah. So I'm guessing he's your probably your, your Tomash, uh, Tomash, you, you go next because I, I need to digest what yeah, you said. Sure. <laughs> sure. Actually, I, I wanted that to single Sakai as, as my top, uh, to, be, to be honest, but now I'm not sure, so sure if, I, if, if I should do Me yeah. too. I Thank think <laughs> I'm. I'm not sure. Like I'm, I'm. I'm not saying that he was stellar, but I think like he made really not not one, not two, but really a few important tackles in the game that uh, that were that could be game changing. Like they they could be game changers. So I think it's not like he get he he he, he like he had a great game, but still I think he's one of the players that I can and. I think you must uh, remember that he was playing not uh, like not on his uh, nominal position, so he, he was playing on on the left side. So it's like a difficult, like a you know, it's it's not so uh, so so easy for, for him. So I think I can hand hand him hand him that. And as for the flops, I think I have a particular beef with one of with one of our players, and it's it's uh, it's Cuisance. Uh, I actually I I cannot see any value. Uh, in him and like maybe I am I'm I am blindsided but every time I I, I try I, I try to pay attention uh, to him playing and I think that actually two out of three balls he he gets he actually loses in some stupid manner uh his only good passing is towards the back uh so so I think Cuisance for me is 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 is, is my flop if you can see that all the way from Poland, why the fuck can't can't the club see it? Um, I mean, all of the fans can see it, but I mean, Kudans uh, is useless. My flop as well. I'll, I'll start with him. Useless. Um, he looked out of breath after 20 minutes. He's 21 years old, for fuck's sake. He just looks like he's physically unfit, not 100%. Do you think he looks he a bit junky? Like no, not chunky, but nah. his face was red. Maybe, maybe he's a smoker, but his face was bright red after 20 minutes. Um, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. But um, so that you're right again, Tomash. His passing is negative, almost almost constantly negative, um, too conservative, and also his time on the ball. He just looks like he doesn't want the ball, and he, he reminds me a lot of Lopez last year, where. Um, he doesn't look comfortable on the ball and so he chooses the safe option because he doesn't want his stats to be too bad and he wants to not give the ball away and make a mistake by taking a risk um, but the problem is exactly because, right yeah because last year Lopez he was playing in a team where other players were, were on form and we actually were creating a bit more chances than this season it masked that sort of areas play but that was one of his main criticisms just doesn't so, know how to keep it simple and um, he's always trying to do something that's going to be difficult to pull off and to be honest that's what Lopez was good for is he kept it simple when you needed to keep it simple just keeps the ball can... in possession and even if it's not yeah. going to unlock the opposing team's defence and then he keeps the ball and Cuisance just can't do that as far as I, I think, I was, I think um, yeah I think you're accurate when you say he was trying risky shit and giving the ball away too much earlier in the season but now he's just not even trying anymore I think I feel like he's completely lacking confidence no, and but lacking obviously consistency it's not just about those pa- those kind of um, ambitious through passes I'm talking about like he'll take touches when he doesn't need to take three touches ah, yes. he just needs to take 100% agree. he just needs to pass the ball first time to whoever's in the, you know available in the safest position where you're under pressure from 
you know the opposing team pressing. He doesn't do that. He'll decide to take three touches and try and like I don't know, sort of slalom his way through or something. He's always making the wrong decisions and doing things that are too complicated yeah. for the moment. Another uh, flop. Uh, again, uh, yes, this may come across harsh because he played out of position. But Balerdi, uh, I, I think we all remember the first few games, and, and we were like, okay, he's okay, but he looks like a bit of a donkey on the ball. And last night was confirmation that in possession he he is he is far from being you know professional level, and he may turn into a decent central defender if he's there to physically nudge players off the ball and win, win aerial challenges and, and you know, be, be in the right position. But on the ball, he is awful. I do feel sorry for the lad because he was, he was sort of shifted into midfield with all the injuries we've got. But he was, he was ineffective. And when Monaco started taking the ascendancy, it's the issue with Gay because that's Gay's more natural position. But if you put him there, you know that Bellardi is, is completely nullified going forward. So Gay still can by playing in Sanson's usual position, could still bring something maybe with his range of passing going forward. But Balerdi, bless him, he's useless. He's not good enough to, to be professional. I wouldn't say professional, but he's not good enough to play in the top league in the top team. He'll be mid-table player at best. Those are the flops, the top. Sakai, for me, I think he drifted off in the second half. But apart from the chance that Monaco had where there's a ball floated into Aguilar who tries to play it to Ben Yedder in, in the middle rather than taking a first-time shot where Sakai was absent from marking him. I thought he was solid down the left. He was putting in challenge after challenge. He was breaking up counter-attacks. Um, you know, I, I, we, we can't pray. We criticise this guy rightfully because he's a limited footballer. We know he's not a world-class footballer. But, guys, he's played every single game this season. Every single game, I think, and he, to, to be able to find a second win like he's found in, in the first few games, he's the only one who can hold his head high in terms of his commitment and effort. So I want to praise him. Yes, yeah, fair enough. I did. I said that uh, you guys would think it was harsh, but I just, yeah, for me, I just see the, the deficiencies in his game. Um, and I, yeah, and I th- actually think we're really missing that Mavi at left back, um, and it really coincides with a recent. Um, run a poor form um, anyway so I'm, I'm mindful of time so I think we'll just skip the takeaways and before we talk about the Mercato I just kind of wanted to ask you briefly about AVB's future um, so after the game I think we were all thinking he was going to get sacked he's not been sacked but right after the game we um, we did see rumours that um, and they're probably false by the looks of it I think it was from AES um, Spanish paper that um, Longoria might be looking to replace him with Valverde. I think we've they, heard they Val- by the way. Yeah, Valverde is not interested. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, like, do you think we're, we're going to see a change of manager soon? Do you think it's the right decision? Basically? What, would, what do you think is going to happen? What do you want to happen? So I, I, I want to start by saying that I'm, like, I'm really sceptical uh, about sucking coaches too soon and I, I really hate that in modern football and I think it doesn't do any good uh, so so that's that's the first thing but the second thing I must say that I, I really I really cannot see any other option like if like it's as, as you said Stefan I think 
even uh, like it's the case that he actually that AVB actually lost control over the team. So it doesn't matter if it's the player's fault or his fault or someone else's fault. I think there's like a certain disconnection between him and uh, and and uh, and the players. So um, I think that that it is the only logical conclusion, especially if he he himself casts doubt on whether he will stay for another season and, and that he uh, he doesn't want to sign a new contract, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it, it would make sense maybe more if he said that he wants to be to be here for the next three years because he wants to commit to the project, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But he he he. Uh, like he himself casts uh, doubt, so I think it actually doesn't make sense. And um, I think the sooner the better, because I I know that there are people that 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 say that maybe it, it, it's better to to wait till till the end uh, end of the season, also due to the fi uh, financial reasons. But I think that there is like we can lay some foundations for the next season. So uh, so I would be very happy about uh, about the change of coach, I guess. Yeah, I agree with that 100%. Um, I'm the same. I normally would be in favour of stability and keeping someone to the end of the season, but he's completely lost the the players and he's criticising yeah, the I, players as well and the press. Yeah, you know, the... I just I just want to say one more thing. I think that uh, like when you look at this, the our uh, results and we had like the 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 I think it was the best start in the league for like 10, 10 years or since 10 years or something like that but still I think uh, when you, when you analyze our our matches and how the the way that we played there I think we had like a, a really great amount of luck in in these games so it's not like that that we like at the start of the season we we, we played really well and everything was uh, going okay and now something you know got uh, like something uh, went uh, went wrong i think that avb never actually uh, showed that he can take this 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 team to a, another level so that's like another uh, reason uh, for me that i i actually i'm in favor of sucking him i guess what were you been i i i love it when Someone else can can come up with stats because I, I feel like I'm the, the, a bit of a real geek on this, and I, I'm a bit of a stats expert. Come on. <laughs> oh, I try, I try, but I mean, um, so much you're right. We started; it was the best um, opening streak to a season since uh, 2006, 2007, I believe. Um, so while we're on stats, let's do stats. Um, this season, we are. I think just below the win percentage of Michel. We're 44% win percentage out of all competitions played, all games played. Um, this season, so, and, and it's sadly coincidental that the last two games uh, are, are illustrating that point even further. With the Strasbourg game that we won, we snatched a 1 0 win courtesy of, of Sanson's last goal for Marseille, actually, I think. Um, our, our expected goals. Chances created, shots on goals, and number of crosses in Liga this season, we are 18th in the table. So we are in the bottom three in those statistics. Um, at some point, the players are out of form. You know, everybody, there's, there's little arguments with Thomas Payet, the usual bollocks, Mitroglou. There was a there was a smokescreen fucking article come out the other day that apparently the staff were really pissed off at his lack of investment in training. Well, what the fuck do you expect? He told him clearly he's never going to get his chance. I don't blame him. Why would he turn up and, and train properly? 
So there's little things like that. And slowly what's happened is it's deflected the attention and questioning away from, um, you know, AVB, why the fuck aren't you trying to play more offensively? And I I said it, I I called it, and I think a few of you guys have called it earlier in the season, but I I actually made up my mind and realised it after the PSG game and his comments saying the best team lost, that he's a dead man walking. He knows he's not going to extend. Um, I'd like to think that the club have put discussions on hold for now, but we know from the Gaccia incident that maybe they're still talking about extending. Um, And it's... That, that's the worry for me is that he's a dead man walking. The, the squad are lost. Everybody, the season's pretty much over because it's very, with our run of games coming up, it's going to be very difficult for us to get many points, let alone any points. Um, you know, just a reminder we're playing Rennes this weekend. We go to Lens, we play PSG, and then we play um, Lille, I think. So he's a dead man walking. It's lost, but. Yes, I agree with you guys. Yes, it's time for an electroshock. Something needs to change. Something needs to spark this squad. But um, I'm, I'm, I think that there's an ego game going on with Iro, which is the same as when Gastel was here and had that awful run of results in his last season, where he's, he's made his bed and he's, he's not going to deflect from his course, which is stability. Let's not rock the boat. Uh, and after coming out and making those declarations um, a few weeks ago about AVB's our man, we think he's a top coach, we want to keep him. He's got such a fucking ego that he won't want to admit, actually, it turns out he was shit. I made the mistake. So I'm worried that we're going to stick with him till the end of the season. I don't think a new coach can, can get much more out of this squad. But I don't know about that. I mean, if we don't change it, it could get really, really bad, though. So I don't think a new coach is going to to save our season and keep us in the Euro the European spots. But I think it might be a case of saving us from a relegation battle or something. And at this no, this rate, no, we, we look like we're going to lose every. You know, this rate, it looks like we're going to lose every game. Um. Anyway. We're not, so, we're not going to go to relegation. Sorry, but just to finish, I think it's all down to Eero, and and I don't think I think that. As we've seen, he doesn't learn from his mistakes, and I think he will stick with AVB. Um, I think there's probably, weirdly, even though that we, we've sold to Sanson, well, we're going to sell Sanson, we've got some incoming cash and stuff, I think there's going to be concern about them not wanting to pay him, pay him to, to leave. So I think it's going to be a cat-and-mouse game of if he offers to resign again, maybe they'll say yes, but I don't think we will sack him. You're probably right. Um, okay, so I kind of... Um ran out a lot of time but I still want to talk a bit about the Macau so um, we made a pretty big signing actually in the last week so we signed Milik from Napoli um, and kind of interesting deal actually The it's, it's quite a complicated deal but um, just kind of like a loan with a, a, a I think it's an obligation an obligatory purchase isn't it but um, I, I can explain briefly why, why we did that step so what we've done no is money. we've, we've yeah, it's basically we've um, he signed a new one-year deal with Napoli, sorry, two-year two-year deal. What it means is we take him on loan because he's played one minute for us. Yes, no, the minute we win a win a point, I think we have to pay, so we we have to sign him permanently. But what it means is we only have to we've got an 18-month loan, and we that means we don't spend the money 
this summer, we can spend it in 2022. Yeah, it's just deferring it, isn't it, really? But, um, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just kind of wanted to hear your thoughts on the signing because it's a big name and we've not had a big name for a while um, come into the club. So, yeah, I'm going to start with you, Thomas, because you're the poll and I'm kind of interested <laughs> to hear what you, what, what you feel about the signing because, um, and also what... what What's Poland saying? Are they like does is me like a player that gets? I'm assuming he's quite a big star in Poland. He's quite one of your more high profile footballers. So yeah, just want to hear what your thoughts are. Um, I, I just deal. want to say, but we discussed it last time, didn't we? I don't have anything to add. Um, yeah, yeah, it's true. The floor is all yours, Thomas. Yeah. First of all, how do we pronounce his name properly? And second yeah, then, all, <laughs> what can we hope for? That was that was the thing that I wanted to start with, like a quick quick pronunciation lesson. So it's so 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 the surname you you all you all get good. So it's Milik, and the first name is Arkadiusz. Arkadiusz Milik. I kind of said it. Did I know? Yeah, well, yeah. It, it, you are quite close. You are quite close, Steph. So, um, yeah. Well, first thing, I, I'm, I'm very. That's why um, yeah. A lot of people are saying Arek Milik. Is that sort of a diminutive yeah, for that name? Ex- that exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You you can okay. also say 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 it like that if you if you are if you are weak if you are <laughs> but if you want to display like you know. Uh, <laughs> display strength and show your dominance you, you then you must say arkadiusz mili so uh firstly i like i am very happy because i think that it greatly increases my chances to, for watching om at, at in television i guess because we we broadcast all all all, all of uh, matches that uh, like of teams that our polish players play so so that's first thing for me it's it's very good but uh like to to, to 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 speak seriously, I think it is like firstly, it is a very good deal in in terms of financial financial uh, reasons. I guess I, I know that it is weird, and he would be uh, free to go in in six months. But still, I think uh, we will if if we would like to sell him, we will definitely sell him for for more. So I, I like I like that, and I think like. I actually like every transfer that Longoria made this uh, this um, uh, uh, during this uh, winter break. So so that's uh, talking about like financial uh, things. Uh, secondly, uh, as as for him as a player, I think that he's a very good player. Uh, I like that he is quite versatile. I, in Napoli, I, sp- I I looked it up on on transfer market uh, just before um, recording. I think he played all the games for Napoli as a as a main striker, as a, as a, as a, as, a, as a main uh, sole forward. But actually, for the national team, he he plays often like either as a second striker or as a winger or as a. a uh, a striker just behind because we have a big like I'm not not sure if it's if 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 if, if it's a problem but but we have Lewandowski who has like the the he is our best player and he he has this number nine spot so so we have to find another spot for uh, for Milik and I like that he's like a very technical player and he can he can actually play on several positions not only this uh, this central forward uh, role i think it's also important in case of uh, if 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 tovan actually leaves and it, it is possible i guess so i think it it may be possible that that he can play like as a inside forward on the on the on the right wing so so i think it's it's possible that he can uh, replace tovan um, so i like him as a player i'm not sure uh, though about his mentality, I think that's that's the one thing that 
maybe I know, and I'm not sure if it worries me, but like we are in a big crisis right now, and I'm not sure if a player that was not playing for the last six months because he was he had an uh, he had an argument with the club. If if it's if it's the best mentality for us right now, so so that's the one uh, I, I would say question mark for me. Uh, and the second one, I, I think that he he is. He is a very good player that plays very well in a very offensive team. When he has uh, a lot of support from other striker or from uh, very offensive wingers, so so that's maybe the second question for me. Like uh, how how he how how will he fit in our system? So will he have, will uh, he have needed support for uh, like to shine? I would say so so. But all in all, I think it was a very good deal, and I'm very happy. Just to ask, um, I, from, I mean, we've all watched YouTube and I've seen him play live for Ajax. I remember a few years ago, firstly, and then Napoli. He's, um, he seems to be pretty damn good at free kicks as well. Yeah, well, I, he's a very technical player and his left foot is actually extremely, like, he, 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 he can really do, like, really precisely placed shots. Uh, so so that's, a, that's, that's his big strength, I guess, yeah. He scored a lot from, from free kicks, uh, I think, as, I, as I remember. I think his long ranges will be a bit of a welcome breath of fresh air after all the ones we get from Benedetto that go absolutely nowhere, don't you think? Well, from everybody, mate, from Rongier, from Camara, from fucking everybody nowadays. True. Right. Okay, fair enough. Um, okay. No, that's interesting. I, I, I think you, there's something there about his position, actually. You said it does make me a bit worried um, about whether or not his profile is, is the right one for what we, what we think, what we hope, what we all are hoping we're getting. You know. Just, um, just again, um, I mean, you, you'll know a lot more about this than we do, Tomasz, but I saw there was a, a sort of Polish sports journalist, I, I can't remember which outlet he worked for, but he was saying, and again, I don't know if this guy watches the Marseille games regularly, but he was saying that he's a striker that likes to drop back as well and, and sort of participate in the build-up. Yeah, I guess we saw like I think we saw a glimpse of that in the Monaco game. I think he was uh, he, he wasn't like sitting up front and like waiting for the ball. He he likes to like he, he he likes to have the ball at his feet and he like to he likes to link up play and and be engaged in 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 the attacks. That's uh, for sure, right? Okay, um, I'm I know we're kind of about run out of time, so I, I I did want to spend more time talking about Milik, but maybe because there's so much going on, we should just mention some of the other departures before we finish up. So, um, Morgan Sanson is um, on his way to Aston Villa. It seems um, I think it's 14 million or something, that 14 million um, euro pound. Sorry. Deal. Is that right? Um, yeah, it's 15 million plus, no, so 14 plus two, so 16 million euros plus two, yeah. Okay, so um, we, we've been known this one's been on the cards, I think, for the last week, really. Are we pleased that he's going? Is it is it right to sell him? Are we selling him for too little, do you think? For me personally, I'm kind of a bit disappointed that he's going he's a player that I like he's a player that I accept hasn't really progressed with us um, but I always felt that maybe with the right manager we might finally get the best out of him um, and yeah maybe it's not really happened and maybe it never was going to happen but um, I'm still a bit disappointed because I do think he is still one of our better players um, or shoot has in terms of ability is one of our better players Um at least he gives it his all on the pitch, um, and right now we kind of need that. Um, 
from yeah, he's been one of the most consistent starters, hasn't he? Yeah, so I'm a bit uh, disappointed. I think we might regret it, um, if we're, especially if we're left with Cuisance, for example, getting more minutes. Um, yeah, but I'm interested to hear what you guys think. Do you think it's a good deal to let him go to Villa right now, or are we going to make a mistake? You, you've just analysed it, Steph. It depends if we replace him. We have, we've lost him in Streetman. We've got Camara, who's injured. I think he'll be back for Saturday, but whatever. Rongier, who picked up an injury as well, and Gay as well. Um, we need we need to bring someone in. So we'll judge on was it a good idea, depending on who we bring in and, and how quickly we bring them in, because we need players now. Um, look, we, I, I, I did think the price was decent. In a non-COVID market, I think he's worth maybe 25 tops. Um, but then again, I realised that we, I think we've got to give 15 or 20% of that to Montpellier because they, they put in a sell-on clause. Um, so it doesn't look that great financially. He's got a decent wage. We're offloading the wage. We need to renew this squad. He's been in the team for ages. As you've said, Steph, he hasn't really kicked on. Um, I think he's been limited because he came as an assist merchant. He's been moulded into a box-to-box player. I think he'll do really well in, in, in the Premier League. And shout out to um, the Villa Together podcast who were kind enough to invite me on as a guest. So if, if you guys want to hear more about Sanson in detail and how we think he'll work in the Prem, listen to their podcast from last week. Um, it, it's all down to how we replace him. I watched it on YouTube. It's, uh, yeah, definitely worth it's been awkward having to be on video. I'm glad we, we're not on video. But anyway. It was really yeah, good, you know. actually. It was really good. Um, for a, <laughs> because even although it's a Villa podcast, from an OM fan's point of view, I quite enjoyed just listening yeah, to the conversation. And yeah, that was good, Ben. Cheers. Yeah, shout out to, to those guys. And um, look, we'll see, Steph, you're right. If we, if we replace them and we bring in someone better, good. But... Yes, we're in, we're in an awkward position where we've we've had no fucking injuries for the last eighteen months in midfield, and suddenly we've picked up loads in the last few weeks, and we've just sold sold two players. So, well, let two players go to put man's alone. So, let's see, let's see. I I, I think I, I like the sale quite much. I, I must say, I think it's a decent uh, sum, and I think I like it because, like, judging on the on the rumors that I heard, I think we are planning to uh, on replacing him with a more offensive-minded player, and I think this is very important. We need more creativity in the uh, in the midfield, as you've been said. I think he uh, Sanson, like from season to season, he was just. Mm, he was playing in a more defensive way. He he he, he hasn't like he was just I, running. Wasn't yeah, he? exactly. And he, he was, was running. running. And, yeah, and he was running very well. Like he 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 he, he knows how to run. I, uh, definitely. But I just checked in his in his second season season for Marseille. He scored actually nine goals. So this it's quite quite a lot. But we we haven't seen that from him uh, last season and 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 uh, and this one. So I like the idea of replacing him with someone more uh, offensive minded. There's kind of some interesting names, isn't there, that we've been linked to. Um, so, yeah, it will be good to get... And I think this actually might be partly to do with um, the fact that, you know, as we heard Davy B saying earlier on in the season, that Pyatt isn't able to play down the middle anymore. Um, he's tried Cuisance in that sort of more of a kind of number 10 role and he's not up to the job. So, yeah, maybe this is an opportunity to try and bring someone who's more naturally suited to that, that kind of role uh, and, and to bring... And more creativity to the side um, and more of a playmaker really um, yeah so it could work out well if we get someone in, I'm just kind of I'm sceptical about 
um, I don't want to get my hopes up high in the names that we're seeing. I, some of them don't seem very realistic to me. Like you know, um, Amin Arit and, and and the Argentinian kid as well. I don't know. I just I'm struggling to see how we're getting money for any of these guys. That Argentinian kid must be fake. I mean, they turned down a twenty million offer from Barcelona yeah. in the summer. They're not going to sell him for ten, nah, are they? It's, it's, it doesn't seem very realistic. But anyway, we shall see. Um, the the the, the uh, yeah the other player we mentioned that's left was Strutman. Um, I I don't I think I, don't, I can't remember if we talked about this in last last week's episode we were supposed. No, to. we forgot. You, you um, messaged us afterwards and said we'd forgot. <laughs> yeah, I guess I would just say with, with I don't because we're pretty much out of time. But I guess I would just say what. I, I mean, this has been a pretty expensive flop. Um, no one's crying about the fact he's left. So um, that but has yeah has has departure probably really kind of it's it's a real um site or a real example of how fail how much of a failure McCourt's project's been and with the also you know as we're also seeing that well Strutman I should say has gone on loan so a big we spent a lot of money on someone with, and with huge wages who were unable to sell, who's, who's you know someone who's not kicked on, we've been unable to sell, and we end up shipping them out on loan. And then at the same time, we've seen another player that we spent a lot of money on, um, Mitroglou, who's gone. I think his contract has been um, dissolved, so he's going to leave. Terminated. Free. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I mean, these two. Well, he's already deal- signed for Aris Salonica. Yeah. So yeah. these two deals. Um, for me, they kind of just illustrate how much of a failure this project's been, and how it hasn't really, um, it hasn't Wait, really improved. Um, the, well, the club hasn't really improved from how um, its ability to buy and sell as it was in the the under the previous owners. We had a real problem in the past under Lebrun tenure and, and not being able to sell players at a certain point you know we were really struggling and we were often releasing a lot of players in freeze and stuff because we couldn't get rid of them and we've just not, we haven't improved on that at all so uh, yeah these two these two signings um i don't think anyone's going to cry over them even but the it's a big blow in terms of our image i think and it makes us look very incompetent yeah but i think it's, it's on the on the flip optimistic view of it you look at well, yes, we're still paying for the errors made in the past and dodgy investments and stupid wages and stuff. But um, Tomas hit the nail on the head. We've seen in the space of four weeks how much more work Longoria is doing than, than Zareta did because um, he's managed to make the decision. Let's offload that player on loan. Let's, let's terminate Metroglou's contract. Let's sell Sanson. And, and with all the rumours flying around, you just get the impression that he's scouting day and night and he's got a list of players that, that he wants. And I think that, yes, that's the only saving grace is that we seem to have shifted those players and moved them on and we're turning the page this summer with lots, lots of others departing at the end of their contracts. But I'm just curious to see what Longoria does because I've, I've been quite impressed so far. Interesting. Um, I, I, I've not been massively impressed. Um, I'm kind of a bit surprised at all these people that are painting him like he's some sort of saviour that's coming. Um, because I'm yet to see. But, but, but better than Le Piastri. Let me ask you that. Yeah, that's a good sign. Like. What what is one signing for, like what is what, one tra- transfer that he's responsible for that you don't like actually apart from from, from Oh uh, yeah. Do okay. you say Ricky? 
That was like six months ago. No one, no, okay, no one remembers that. He's only signed a few players, hasn't he? So, um, you know, I think to, 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 for, for people to make him out to be um, this incredible sporting director, we don't know yet. I mean, how do we know that Milik is yeah, not I fucked? Think, um, you know, um, um, maybe he's caught. No, that's true, mate. That's true. That's true. I think they're basing, I think they're basing that stuff off of the, just the, because we know it's really heavily you know, mediatized and a lot of noises. I think they're just basing that off, the, off, off of his activities. So people are just excited so compared to a very slow, lazy, do business late in the window model that we had in the three previous years. I think people are just happy that he's getting shit done. You, you could say the same. What, what look at the Wacky Mala deal. You could say that we were slow and lazy in that one. So I, I don't know. This, you can look at things in different with with, with different glasses on. Yeah, that, the timing of that deal was a bit a bit you know awkward because we we only sold officially sold Bunassar uh, two days before the window closed, and it was a deadline day attempt. And uh, you know Genk have admitted, and Mallers come out and said they hiked the price at the last minute and fucked fucked the deal. So. Uh, at least we went in for him. And, and another thing, um, it, well, we know that Zubi got loads of money and pissed it up the wall with Gasser and Nero, but, um, you know, we've, we've, he seems to be able to, to convince McCourt that it's still worth putting money into the club. Um, and that's a positive sign, I think. Um, I've got one more question, actually, before we finish up. Um, so we're seeing two players who are out of contract soon that look like they're not going to renew possibly um, and could be leaving this January. So that's um, Tovan and Amavi. Is this going to be catastrophic for a season if we lose them at this stage? I think, I think, uh, I think it's a good topic. Like it's a very big topic and it's a good topic for maybe for the, for the next pod. Like what, like how, how we will look like next season because, because there's like really a lot of changes that, that will be made to this team. And, and there's a lot of blanks, that we actually don't have any idea how, how how to deal with them. So because we have we have Toven, we have Payet, we don't know what with Payet. Uh, so uh, we have Amavi. There, there's 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 a lot of players that we we are uncertain of. So uh, I think it it will be it it will be a blow. But maybe we can just start preparing for that now. But I don't know how actually. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think maybe next 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 episode we'll probably get an opportunity to to go into that in a bit more detail as we know a bit more as um, January is sort of kind of coming to its end. I mean, um, yeah, I mean we need to we need to renew the squad. We need some new blood. Tovan um, Payet, you know, they're players that have been too comfortable for too long. Amavi, you know, he's been fifty percent shit during his time with us and fifty percent decent. Um, Again, um, you know, trust Longoria and, and hope that he has a plan to replace both those players and, and the others that are leaving because we're losing quite a few squad players like Mitroglou's gone, but he was fucked anyway. Germain's leaving, Sakai's out of contract this summer. Um, so that's, you know, that's four players leaving and that's 33, 34%, well, you know, one third of the squad that needs to be renewed. And let's see what he does. Let's see if we have many and if we're smarter in, in our choices. Yeah, well, I, think, I, I think I think that the key move will be to actually keep Camara. I, I I think that we saw what this team looks like uh, in his absence. So I think if we, if we can keep Camara and Gay, we can we can build uh, around that, like around the heart uh, of, of our of our midfield. I guess so. But maybe yeah, it's it's a good topic for the next time. Okay, so I think we'll wrap it up then tonight. So um, covered quite a lot. Um, 
yeah, that was some good discussion there. Um, hopefully next time when we, we, we return, um, things are a little bit more positive and maybe we'll have a lot to talk about as well because we might see a lot of changes, might even have a new coach or new players, who knows. But um, yeah, thanks very much, guys. Um, and yeah, um, thanks everyone for listening. Yeah, thank you, Tomas. It's been a pleasure. Um, you know, hope to, to have you on with us again. And again, you know, shout out to anybody else who follows the club far and wide. You're more than welcome to join us. Yeah, thank you as well. And I recommend it to everyone. <laughs> if, if, you're, if you're listening and want to join, it's, it's, it's uh, really fun. And thank you guys for, for this warm welcome and fun time. Cheers.